Be who you are. Dream what you really want to do. Then, do it. Be, dream, do. Living by Design, the radio show, is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about, had the courage to dream big, and then did it. Now, join the conversation. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to Be, Dream, Do Radio. This is Dave Whitehorn, your guest. I'm here with son, Sean Whitehorn. Morning. Top of the morning to you, laddie. (laughs) Uh, It's a wonderful day here. We're here at uh, 6900 East Camelback. Beautiful view. I'm looking right now at the uh, Superstition Mountains, and I see Red Mountain, and I see the beloved Four Peaks. Uh, So it's a wonderful place to be, and we're just on the backside of Camelback. So anyway, just wonderful to be here. You know, we've had a lot of guests uh, um, over the last uh, several months, and uh, we try to get guests of all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of backgrounds, from uh, being a diplomat, being a mayor, uh, someone who was a retired judge from the Arizona Supreme Court, uh, people who had their own uh, business in martial arts, uh, actors, actresses, but Today we really have a very important person, and this person is near and dear to our heart because guess what? She actually is the producer here of this show. Don't make me cry, Dave. And, and, and <laughs> uh, this is our, our special guest today, Robin Cote, and it's just wonderful to have you here. You've got an incredible story. And I know your story is going to be really inspiring to our listeners. So, Robin, welcome to the show. Good morning, Dave, and good morning, Sean. Yeah, just for the benefit of our listeners, uh, Robin has been involved with media and the arts since the age of 11. Correct me if I'm wrong, Robin. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, since then, you've done just a myriad of things. So walk us through that. Tell us how it all started. Well, um, back when I was a youngster, I lived in Mesa. That's, I kind of grew up in Mesa, and um, I happened to be riding my bicycle downtown on Main Street by a car lot. So my first venture into the movie business was actually a film called Used Cars. I had this really crazy guy come up to me, and he said, hey, do you want to be in a movie? And you're a kid, you're like all weirded out. Yeah. I look over and there's Kurt Russell. Now I knew Kurt Russell as a Disney kid. Yeah. So I was like, oh my god! You know, I was starstruck. I always had a crush on him. Still do in my and I'm 50. I still have a crush <laughs> on him. So I took the paperwork home, had it signed by my parents, and went back up to the car lot the following day and was a featured extra in the movie Used Cars. I saw that movie. Yeah. I'm gonna go back and see it again. I was wearing a pink shirt and cowboy boots and jeans. Oh, how cool. And I was just walking behind a window, pushing little carts and stuff while yeah. they were in the office talking. So I'm kind of like in the background. And that also began my radio career because I grew up right down the street from what used to be KZZP. Right. At, at yeah. Extension and 8th Avenue. In I Mesa. remember that. I remember KZZP. Um, I would always go to school early 
And I heard a big ruckus in the parking lot. So, of course, natural curiosity got the better of me, went over and saw this really big, tall, goofy-looking guy standing on what looked like a humongous speaker and just hordes of people around him, a pair of white underwear on his head. (laughs) Was it only on his head? It was only on his head. (laughs) And the, the thing is, when I bring this up, people talk about this because they think my boss, Dave Pratt, yeah. Was the first person to do the underwear. Yeah. But Jonathan yeah. Brandmeier yeah. was the one to do it. So Johnny, I, I muscle my way up to the crowd and get up to him. And I'm looking up at this guy and he puts this microphone in front of my face. And the next thing I know, once a week, I'm going down to his studio to become the, the school correspondent for them. Whoa. Oh, how cool is that? So that's how I ended up getting bit by the radio bug. Wow. That is just fascinating. So what do you think is that it was about you for people to come up and just out of the blue say, hey, would you like to be in a movie? Or, hey, come on to the radio show. Well, I'd like to think it's the blonde hair and the blue eyes and the cute little freckly face I had back then, but I don't know what it was. I think it's just the idea of wonderment. You know, you have this look about you when you're Mm -hmm. a child, Mm -hmm. and children are so unjaded by things that happen in the world. Mm-hmm. So with me, it was more about stepping up. And I, and I really don't know for sure, but my mom told me this story one time. When I was four years old, I had this little plastic play school record player. Mm-hmm. I locked myself in the bathroom with it. And she couldn't get in the door. She finally got me to unlock the door. She goes, you know, you don't have to lock yourself in the bathroom to sing to your records. <laughs> Mind you, I'm four years old. And I said, Mom... I'm not playing records and singing. I'm playing DJ. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So oh I my have gosh. no idea where that came from. Uh-huh. I just know that from a very young age, I was kind of cursed from birth anyways because my father grew up in Canada, and he was a big fan of the cinema. So okay. His, okay. Fav- his favorite character was Robin Hood, played by Errol Flynn. Yeah. yeah. So that's where, Classic. Rob- Classic. that's where Robin came from. Yeah. And then famous okay. French actress Yvonne DiCarlo. So I was named Robin Yvonne, and I always say I'm cursed from birth to be in the entertainment industry. So So, so I want to get this right. You're actually named after Robin Hood. Yes, I am. Robin (laughs) the Hood. Yes, I am. So uh, from henceforth, I'm going to be calling you Robin the Hood (laughs) Cote. Take from the rich, give to the poor. (laughs) You know, that that seems like the story. (laughs) Wow. Good one, Sean. (laughs) So have you had any other jobs in different industries? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've worked in television. I've worked in the independent film industry since I was a kid, like we said. Um, When I became a single mom at the age of 17, I had to actually go out and get a job and get a real job. Because as we all know, being in the film industry or being in the radio industry, especially being a female, and I don't like to be sexist, but knowing how the industry works, you don't really climb up the ladder that fast. And in radio back then, I was making $4.25 an hour. And who can survive off of that raising a kid? Yeah. Yeah, So I actually did landscaping. I worked for um, a guy where I trimmed 30-foot tall palm trees, climbed those with spikes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I worked in a steel foundry, uh, was a forklift driver. Worked for um, a place that was the balls for the mining industry. We did we poured the hot steel for that. Oh my! Um, I've on. done jobs like being a regular laborer, doing block laying, and all of that kind of stuff. So I, 
I went a different route. I didn't want to sell out and do other things that some women might think are easier for them to do because they're women. Mm -hmm. I wanted to show my son that no matter what life threw at us, we could actually do something Mm -hmm. that was more substantial. So I worked a lot with my hands. And I still, for some crazy reason, I still stayed with radio Mm part-time. I always did radio part-time because... You can't survive in it full-time, at least back then I couldn't. And when I was, my last year of high school, I had gotten pregnant and didn't know it at the time. Yeah. And I started getting weirded out and depressed. I started ditching a lot of my senior year. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I became an intern for Dave Pratt at KUPD. Isn't that something? Yeah, my high school year, my last, my senior year. So now it comes back full circle, and I'm once again seated in a studio Working with Dave Pratt. Isn't that something? So you weren't afraid to, to put in the work, get your hands dirty, and you, know, you knew that there was, you could survive anyway, you know, in a lot of different ways, but radio was your passion, and that's what kept bringing you back. Yeah, it's one of the, anybody in radio will tell you it's one of the worst addictive drugs ever. <laughs> it's one of the cleanest addictive drugs, of course. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when you get away from it, you desperately want to go back to it. Mm-hmm. And that's always been a driving force for me. And it took me the better part of 22 years to finally make a decent salary. And when I retired officially in 2006 from radio, and here's going to be the big clinker, 30 grand a year. And I had a four-year education in it, but I was happy. Yeah. And I didn't need a lot of money to survive, especially living in Arizona. Right, right. But I'll tell you something. When I left it in 2006... That was the toughest decision I ever made. Right. Wow. And I did it for love, which mm-hmm. I'm back in radio again, which means the love ain't there, but I'm loving what I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. What is it about radio that really attracts you? Wow. You know, that's kind of a tough question. Um, the only way I can really sum it up is when I get behind this thing they call a microphone yeah it's magic okay i just feel at home Uh and you know put an iv in my veins when i'm back here behind the console and behind this microphone and i'm in heaven Uh it it feeds my lifeblood wow so it's it's really that you just know it when you know it kind of a thing I think so. You know, it, it's like anything else that you do that drives you, that you're passionate about. And Sean would know this, being an actor yeah. mm-hmm. and doing comedy and stuff. There, yeah. There's just something about it that brings this extra added life to you. Right. It's like a high. Like, you're just in this moment. And yeah. it's just like, that's how I feel from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But why would you comp- how would you compare radio to, you know, your other entertainment industry uh, passions, I guess. Like, why this one more than those, I guess? I think it's more because in acting, you get to be someone else. Mm-hmm. And in radio, I get to be me. Mm-hmm. And I think just, I've, I've spent many, many years working in the music industry, working in television, working with bands. And there's just different forms of the industry that you soak your body into And every piece of that is just different. With acting, I mean, I've been killed in many movies, and I love it. 
<laughs> the before or the after? <laughs> well, usually, yeah. I've had the director, yes. But yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea of being killed in a movie yeah. is fun. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, okay, we're done filming. You're done. You're dead. Bye-bye. Flies are over your body. Time yeah. to go clean up your makeup. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is you get to assume a different identity. Mm-hmm. You And being my age, it's difficult to find roles now that they don't want to throw me into being a mom. <laughs> but I've had some really cool roles, like a psycho um, cop. A lieutenant who turns serial killer because I'm selling organs on the black market to fund my retirement income. So tell, what movie was this? Uh, 5150. And um, this was actually a project for Collins College, which is now no longer open. And it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. It was a class project. It's like a 20-minute movie. Uh And I had no idea when I auditioned for this movie that I already had the part (laughs) <laughs> the director basically used me. Yes, Jay, we know the story. He, he used me to audition the other actors, which yeah. was really cool. He said he took one look at my resume, yeah. and he knew he had to have me as the lead. Okay. And it was really cool. I spent a lot of time working on that project day and night with them for months. Yeah. And the end project was awesome. I got shot in the head at the end, and you know, one of my own cops killed me because he figured it out. Isn't that something? But, you know, it's, it's cool things like that. You can, you can assume a different identity and be crazy and have fun. But, again, when I get behind a microphone, yeah. I'm animated and I'm me. There's no acting. It's just, I don't know if I've got a few screws loose up here or what. But, you know, it just, I come alive when I'm behind a microphone. Yeah, you know, you say a few screws loose. I think we all do in certain times. But I would say, with you behind the mic, all the screws align. Ooh, I like how you put that, Dave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can talk about things. Yeah. So you've been through some hard times. You've shared, you've touched, touched on a few things. And you wrote a book. What's that book about? <sighs> Boy, that book is called Victim No More. Okay. And basically, back in 2014... My first ex-husband had come back around 30 years later and decided to um, create warfare with my children. Um, So I'll I'll go back a little bit and tell you when I was 17 and I was pregnant by him. Hmm. um, We ended up getting married. And during my marriage, I was pregnant again with my daughter a year later. Right. But my ex-husband decided that he didn't want girl children, and I had no idea this is what was even going through his head at that point, but I was basically in a very abusive relationship with him from my teenage years, and he he decided to take my daughter the day she was born and put her up for adoption. So... I knew, without without your consent. Without my consent, oh my yes. God. And I have found out through the years that this particular adoption agency, which is no longer in existence, mm-hmm. had a very bad reputation of doing that. Mm-hmm. So it took several years before I found out. And a few years after this had happened, you know, I was closed off. Because when you're in an abusive relationship, they, they take you away from your friends and your family. They mm-hmm. hide you away. Mm-hmm. And I was too young to really understand it. Right. Um, but the last day we were together, it was, I was 20 years old at this point. He literally threw me against a bar cabinet. And for the first time in six years, he drew blood. Mm-hmm. And when I saw my blood, I went into a rage. Mm-hmm. And I struck back. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and the book talks about this. So I, I got out of that by striking back, which I'm really lucky he didn't kill me that day. Right, right. But he walked away. It was the best thing that ever happened. And, and I had lost my daughter over this, of course. Mm-hmm. And through the years, he has tried to come back and create havoc in my life, as a lot of abusers do. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that if you turn your back to it, you're not their victim anymore. If you don't fear them, you're mm-hmm. not their victim. Mm-hmm. So he's continued to do that through the years. And the last time he did it, he went to my daughter because I eventually found her. Mm-hmm. on the internet. So we had started talking, but she did a family tree mm-hmm. right before she got married and ended up talking to him. So mm-hmm. he had blindsided her with a bunch of incorrect details, yeah. Yeah. which was tough mm-hmm. because we didn't really have much of a chance to establish a relationship. Right. But when you have a biological father, who's a manipulator by normal standards, right. That's what happens. They they fill their head full of stuff, and she doesn't know what to believe. So my son actually friended his biological father. They haven't had a relationship since my son was four, wow. and my son is right. now 32. Right. And he wanted to find out what it was he was telling his sister. Mm-hmm. So the letter that he wrote my son had a lot of inaccuracies in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I took that letter... And I broke it down. I started blogging this out on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that I could share these details with my daughter. Sure. But it got to a point where I think she was so blindsided by her biological father that she didn't want to listen. But I continued blogging this on a particular page, and I had about 75 people that were following this at Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was finished telling this whole story, it, it basically encapsulized everything that had gone on over the past 30 years. Not just the abuse, not just losing her. Um, it went into all the death that I've been through. Because in my young years, 23 to 34, I buried 41 people. What? Yeah. So I had a lot of death in my life. And I didn't understand what that was about. But somebody told me that something big was going to happen to me. And that these people's deaths were predetermined. So I was being set up to learn from their deaths for something big. Which, right after that... I met the love of my life. Mm. We got married while he was in the hospital. We were supposed to get married on the ice because at that time I was working for the Coyotes as a, oh, yeah. a team writer. Okay. So that's how we met was at a hockey game. And I had it set up for us to get married one year to the day on the ice, but he, he had just beaten cancer before I met him. And unfortunately it had come back oh, my. six months into our relationship. So he had almost died a few months prior to the original wedding date. So we moved it up and got married in the hospital. And within 17 months, he was gone. So I had to oh my goodness. work with him and go through the whole cancer ordeal, deal with all of that, deal with a teenage son who just fell absolutely head over heels in love with this guy, just like right. I did. Right. You know, when, you're, when your teenager goes, you better marry him, mom, or I'm going to kick your butt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had all that happen. And things just kept getting thrown at me continuously. But when I started writing that that book back in 2014, I had no idea that I was in yet another abusive type of relationship. But this one that I had been married to for nine years was actually verbally abusive, not physically. Right. right. So when you write a book like that and you open yourself up to all the rawness, Mm -hmm. you start seeing things. Right. So I eventually 
just as I was getting ready to publish the book in 2015, mm-hmm. I found out that my now ex-husband was doing some illegal activities with a business under the table that threatened our very successful business that could have sent me to jail as well. Oh, my goodness. What business was that? Um, it was a landscape design and installation oh, company. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't what I really wanted to do, but... When I retired from radio in 2006, I did that to go build this company with him, and we took it from nothing to a half a million dollar a year company. Um, And just my experience with everything I've done in different industries, I was able to show him what to do Mm -hmm. to take his business from just mowing lawns in Paradise Valley to building an empire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was really tough for me because, you know, you, you look at money and how it sustains you. Right. But then you look at how horrible the rest of your life is. And in that house, I felt like I was in a prison cell. I didn't feel happy. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter how much money was in the bank. It didn't matter that we were debt free except for the mortgage and that the business took care of everything. It came to a point where, what do you do with that? So Mm -hmm. that's when I decided, okay, well, things are not working out here. Mm -hmm. So being a single mom all these years, I've known what it's like to sell everything I own over and over and over again just to survive, yeah. to keep that kid alive. He is my reason why I have sanity. My son has always been my reason for sanity. Otherwise, I don't know if I'd be here. <laughs> so I just decided, okay, let it all go. Yeah. Get a divorce, sell the house, shut the company down, move on. Yeah. And I did. And for three years, I took care of my parents. I moved in to take care of my elderly parents. And I tried my hand at a couple different things. I finally published the book on my own. I started doing life coaching to help other people. Mm-hmm. I started trying to do the you know motivational speaking stuff. But when you first start out in those businesses, you don't really make any money. You have to establish yourself first. Right. And I found that life coaching was really difficult for me. Yeah. Because nobody wants to listen. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was kind of a hard transition for me to make. And I decided, you know what, let's figure out what else to do. And then all of a sudden in January, this job just kind of fell in my lap. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think you know this, the general manager, Ed Vanderlee, yeah. years and years ago, 26 years now, I think he says, he was my intern at KZZP. <laughs> right, right. So he brings me back into the fold and here I am, home sweet home. It's so awesome to be where I am. And to me, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. And pe- with people that you care about and love. Absolutely. I mean, I come to work, I get hugs. Sometimes I get told I love you, which is really awesome. <laughs> you know, and it's, this feels like home. And then I have all of you wonderful hosts that come in and brighten my day. I learn a lot from the guests that walk through that door every day. So, I mean, this is a learning experience for me every single day that I sit behind this console. And I was intimidated Mm-hmm. When I first started here. Right, right. Because this is an old school radio. Yeah, right. This is new school radio. This is new school radio. This is cutting edge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, just take a second and talk about, for the benefit of the listeners, w- what this radio is about versus the old radio. Well, the old radio, you could sit in front of a console, push a few buttons, mm-hmm. and back when I started, we actually had reel to reel. Okay. We had carts, which were like smaller eight tracks. Okay. There were four tracks. Um, we had phonographs. Yeah. So I'm very old school radio. Uh-huh. Now, when I come in here, the only thing that's familiar to me 
are the headphones, uh-huh. the board, and the microphone. Uh-huh. Everything now is recorded into a computer system. Right. We have technology that puts everything at our fingertips. Right. And all computerized. All computerized. Yeah. And the difference between the two is you're not just in a local station. You're not on the AM, FM dial. You are worldwide. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. We actually have listeners around the world, uh, from Colombia, from India. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Uh, Actually, we're right now in the process of uh, trying to get someone in from Japan to come into the show. Wow. Uh, The biggest challenge is the time difference. (laughs) Right, right. They're usually sleeping while we're awake. Yeah, I think it's 2 o'clock in the morning when we go live, but uh, that's interesting. So... Whereas uh, the only time you'd listen to people outside of uh, your area is when you were driving on a long trip at night and you'd pick up those AM stations, right? That yeah. you, you could get over the air from some strange place because the sun had set or something. I don't know the whole electronics behind it, but it really is it really is powerful. Well, for sure, Robin, uh, you say this was intimidating, but... Uh, it was. Uh, it, it really was. It, I mean... It, just, I'll just say casual observation, you're a real pro at it. I mean, you know exactly what you're doing. Thank God for that. I mean, yeah, at least, yeah. and I am going to tell you something. I'm a real firm believer in positive affirmations for yourself, speaking right. them out loud. Right. And when I first jumped into this, I actually was just coming on board to uh-huh. um, produce Pat McMahon's God Show. Right, right. So I wasn't even employed here at that point, but someone had to leave the company and I happened to be in the next room just training. Mm-hmm. And Dave and Ed had a meeting and Dave's going, well, we got to hire someone to take John's place. And Ed goes, well, she's in the room right next door. <laughs> so he goes out to talk to me. He says, want to take a walk with me? And he starts talking. And he says, would you consider being a studio director here? I said, I would consider it. I never got a chance to say yes or no. I had the job, and they set up my training <laughs> schedule. So, and it's funny because I was real. I love Pat. Pat yeah. McMahon and I. I'm best yeah. friends with his wife, and he, I, yeah. they consider me family. So yeah. the crazy thing is, I was intimidated by doing the God Show. I yeah. was really scared of that because Pat's got sixty plus years as a broadcasting sure, legend. Sure, sure. So that scared me because, uh-huh. like I said, this is all new technology. Plus, right. I'm sitting across from one of my friends who's this legend that I'm, oh, my God, yeah. no. Yeah. Teeth chattering, oh, God, me, me, me. No, yeah. I was yeah. scared. Yeah. I will say that. First time in my life, I was scared. Yeah. And then, you know, I get this job working for Dave. Oh, my God, I'm intimidated by all this. And my friend Michelle says, Robin, it's just Dave Pratt. Yeah. You used to bring him donuts and wash the van. Little Davy, huh? Yeah, and and it's just it's just Pat McMahon, you know, Gerald. Yeah. Gerald. Why are you into- <laughs> and I'm sitting here and, and you don't you don't realize when you're sitting in the room with Pat and Dave yeah. and they're talking to each other, yeah. you're just even Ed goes through this. We yeah. we we all have this personal relationship, but we're sitting back watching them going, Oh, <gasps> Jaws yeah, hitting the floor. We're going on. gaga. We got fanboy and fangirl moments going yeah. on. So just for the benefit of listeners who are not from the Valley here, I have to interject uh, that Pat McMahon uh, was uh, an incredible celebrity here that actually worked very closely with two other individuals, uh, Wallace and Ladmo. The three of them put on, uh, I'm going to call them kid shows, I guess for mm-hmm. lack of a better yeah. word, uh, that was after school uh, and... Um, when I moved here with my younger brother uh, at the age of nine, going on ten, uh, that was a required uh, thing to do right after school. Is you sat right down with an ice cream bar, Siltest ice cream. Mm. Remember, still because of that, that's who they would advertise. 
he'd sit down with that and uh, and watch the Ladmo show. And so uh, Pat McMahon was one of, I don't know how many characters, I'm 60 characters or something that right. he played. Amazing, amazing. So I just interject that for the benefit of listeners outside of the Valley. I don't know, Robin, you might want to add to that because he has much, much more, much, much, much more than Gerald. Yeah, he's yeah. he's got so many different characters, plus he's had an extensive radio career, and now he's back on television again doing yeah. a morning show with yeah. a bunch of famous you know, local broadcasters. Yeah. So it's just the idea that you've got people like that coming in and... Yeah. We've had a lot of celebrities come through the door every day. Yeah. I'll never forget my, um, <laughs> Dave had Luis Gonzalez, oh, you know, yeah, from the yeah. Diamondbacks yeah, yeah, sitting yeah. here just a couple that. months ago uh-huh. and, and I'm walking in and, and you know, they introduced me to him and I'm like, yeah, I remember meeting you in the dugout back in 2000. I mean, how stupid do I sound? <laughs> but I'm just, I, I just don't look at celebrities like that, yeah. you know, yeah. because I've worked around them all my life. Yeah. And I don't think I've. People will look at me sometimes and say that, and I look at them and laugh and go, well, I've never had the bank account to match, nor has the inquiry ever gone through my trash. So (laughs) (laughs) I never really thought of myself like that. Hey, I got it. Before we move on from Pat McMahon, uh, Robin, and continue with your story, I have to say that I remember seeing Pat McMahon on the Ed Ed Sullivan Show. Ed Sullivan Show, And he was hubcap in the wheels. Yes. Yeah. And they actually, I still have that record, by the way. I just finally got a CD from him. Yeah, you did, huh? Finally, like six yeah. months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's my yeah. prize during game night. Here, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. That's wonderful. So you went through an awful lot. You gave up what was really a money-making machine, mm-hmm. as I understand it, uh, with your husband, decided to divorce because you just weren't happy, even though money was giving you everything that you needed. Just right. about. Just about. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't feeding your heart. No. Uh, so what insights do you have that you could share to the, with the listeners about, you know, making that decision about stopping the madness and doing something that feeds your heart? Well, there's one thing that I learned when you watch the love of your life die right before your very eyes, everything else is just BS, Hmm. you know, because Time doesn't stop for any of us. And you don't want to be the person on your deathbed that says, I wish I had done that. Mm -hmm. Why not try it now? Mm -hmm. You're never too old to go after whatever it is you want. Mm -hmm. Um, It might take a little longer to get there. There might be some extra steps you have to take. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, You know, I worked a lot of hours at different jobs that weren't really suitable for a woman to work at, but I did that so I would have insurance for my kid. Mm -hmm. I did that so I could afford to have places to live, but I always found an outlet. Uh Um, You know, I worked for a cable TV show for many years, several of them, and they were on cable access, so there was no money, but I was able to bring my son to those. We had fun. Yeah. Um, back in that day, the acting didn't really pay a lot, but you were handed $85 cash every day you were on set. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. my son and I, I would drag him to set with me, and we would do commercials because yeah. I worked with several of the casting agents back in the day. Yeah. So you could make a little side cash, Yeah. but you're fulfilling that, that need, that want of mm. being out there. And, of course, radio never really paid a whole lot, so that was my weekend job. I, yeah. I finally got lucky enough to work 
at PBS or Unlucky in some mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. Um, it didn't pay a lot of money, but it gave me insurance. So I worked there and I worked with mostly a bunch of great people. Mm-hmm. So that was five days a week. And then two days a week on the weekend, I would work at a radio station to mm-hmm. fulfill that need that uh-huh. I had. Uh-huh. So I think, in all honesty, if there's something that's deep down inside of you that you really, really want to do, mm-hmm. what's stopping you? Mm-hmm. What is stopping you from actually doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I gave up the business and went to, ran, to run this landscape company with my ex-husband, I couldn't stand to be at home all day. I mm-hmm. couldn't take it. I was out of corporate America. I was away from people. I was basically back in my first marriage of being away from everyone and yeah. caught in this house all day. Yeah. yeah. So I've got this business up to a point where I actually could go do fun stuff. Right. So I got back into doing TV or I got back into doing independent film mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. as my release. Right. So you really can do things like that. It's out there. Yeah. I mean, that's very powerful, Robin. So what about, um, so we had someone on the show. I mean, you heard him right? This composer mm-hmm. and musician, Silas Hyde. And he, he basically gave himself a deadline. He says, I'm going to go all out in this music, in this music world for, you know, until I'm 30 years old. And then if, if it doesn't work, then I'll just do music as a hobby and kind of do other things to make money. What, what, you know, what are your thoughts around that? Because it's a little bit of kind of like what you just did, mm-hmm. what you just shared. Yeah, I agree. Cause, yeah. um, when my father passes away, eventually, yeah. there's not going to be anything left for my mom. So yeah. she will become like my child. I'll have to take care of her full time. Yeah. So for three years, I gave myself that deadline. If I don't make a go of it with this authorship thing yeah. or this life coaching thing yeah. or the speaker thing, I'm going to have to go find me a job. Right. So right at that pinnacle was where this job came into play. Yeah. And... Still, at that point, I knew that life coaching wasn't for me. I, sure. I can't do it textbook. Yeah, yeah. I still do it, but I don't charge for it. And you have to be willing to put in the work, which mm-hmm. I call it spiritual life coaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do that as a hobby mm-hmm. because there's just, I don't think there's any way that I could put a price tag on it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. people, it's hard because they don't want to be held accountable. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's, and I think you do life coaching as well to some degree, right? Well, I mean, I guess all coaching touches life, but I wouldn't qualify myself as a life coach. Uh, I work in a, a little different area, more business-focused, but uh, to your point, everything that has to do with coaching has, has an impact on life. Sure, yeah. sure. And, and when I do it, yeah. I make them reach deep down because yeah. the, I use the tools that I used. Yeah. Because I, how could I get through all these things in life if yeah. I didn't have something within me to... Mm-hmm work this out yeah. because I, I don't know how I'm still here. I really don't a lot of times. And I, like I said, I attribute that to my son because he gave me that strength. He had no one else but me. Mm-hmm. So I had to pull that out, mm-hmm. but I totally agree with what he says. Sometimes you do have to focus on a deadline. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to turn something into a monetary gain for yourself mm-hmm. and with me, and I kid you not, I, I went about publishing this book the first time very incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And it cost me over $2,500 to self-publish my first book. Mm-hmm. We just redid it and released the, the second edition, which mm-hmm. is better. Mm-hmm. Didn't cost me much this time around. But I know the next book I'm writing, 
will not cost me that kind of money because you figure things out. So I don't want to spread myself so thin where I forget about the important stuff, which is in here what I feel is the right thing to do. So that's mm-hmm. when you reach that deadline point with something, mm-hmm. you, f- you find something else or mm-hmm. you do turn it into a hobby because mm-hmm. I, have two, I had two production companies. One of them I closed because my partner was too busy making his movies on my dime. Yeah, yeah. Didn't get us anywhere. And I'm like, well, what about my movies? Mm-hmm. So then I opened up my own production company and sent him on his merry way, said, do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to do film here. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult because mm-hmm. there's not enough professionalism. Mm-hmm. And that's what Arizona lacks is professionalism mm-hmm. with a lot of crew mm-hmm. and sometimes with cast. And yeah. It's tough. It's tough because I love a lot of the people that I work with in the industry yeah. here, but that's a hobby for me. I've I read somewhere, Robin, um, just as a side note, that the state is trying to do something about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they see that they're missing an opportunity for the to host film and here in the growing. state of Arizona. Is that right? And the and the city's growing enormously fast right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Matthew Earl Germs has actually taken up the uh, pedestal for that with the Arizona Film Office. Okay. So they've been working on that, but we still have a lot of issues. And, and I get really upset because people blame the tax incentives for it. But there's when you've been in the industry as long as I have, mm-hmm. there's more to it than just the yeah. tax incentives. There, yeah, yeah. It's, we have such a serious lack of professionalism here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, I've, I'm grateful that I met the kids from Collins College because several of uh-huh. them have gone on to be very successful. Yeah. And I know some of the more successful people here that I will call in if I want to do a project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't audition for projects anymore. Mm -hmm. I did three films last year because I had people come to me and say, would you do this in my film? Would you take this part? Mm -hmm. Well, if I know you're good enough and you're going to show up and do the job and you're actually going to finish your film and market it, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So it has to be good people. Because when I jumped back into the industry, I took a six-year hiatus. And when I jumped back into it in 2007 in the film world, there wasn't really anything shooting here anymore except all the college films. Mm-hmm. And I auditioned for Scottsdale Community College Film School. And the problem with that was out of the 40 movies I did, I only saw one completed and got oh, it yeah. in my hand. And it, yeah, was, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah. Nobody wanted to finish their projects. Mm-hmm. And the talent here was promised copy credit food and they don't even get that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's one of the biggest issues we have here in the film industry but you know you have filmmakers here um randy murray productions they work he works a lot with the discovery channel and they they do the discovery id shows yeah that's when you get legitimate work Mm -hmm. um laura durant does her casting that's legitimate Faith does her casting. That's legitimate. Mm-hmm. So you have to really find the legitimate places to go. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these little films here that the kids do, and, and I really don't like to talk about it because it's sad. Yeah, yeah. They really need to put forth the effort to get those films done and get them to the talent and the crew that deserve it after mm-hmm. putting in all that work. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. Uh, and Arizona has so much to offer. It does. For, as a filming location. Yeah, uh, geographically and you know even our city has now gotten to a point that is i mean we're the fifth fourth or fifth largest in the united states i used to work yeah. on four or five films a year back in the 80s yeah 
We did back-to-back Tank Girl, yeah. Just One of the Guys, Campus Man, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, mm-hmm. Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. all of those movies. We, we were back-to-back working consistently. Right here movies. in Arizona? Absolutely, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, and I'll tell you, my, my most favorite memory, Bill yeah. and Ted's Excellent Adventure, hanging with George Carlin. Oh, man. George that, Carlin. <laughs> that takes the cake over any movie I've ever worked on. Wow. Yeah. I got to see him in, in Phoenix. Oh, he's am- he, he was amazing. Yeah. And I miss him terribly. He was so much fun. So I'm sure he'd have a lot of interesting things to say right now. Oh, God, Oh, yeah. about Trump? About, about, every, about everything. <laughs> about oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. He, he would really unleash. Because, because now he can say oh, those man. infamous seven words that he couldn't yeah, say. Yeah, that's then, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Those are words that we never say on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know you can. We can. See, yeah. that's the beautiful yeah. thing about what we do here at yeah. Star Worldwide. Yeah, yeah. You have a platform to do whatever kind of show you want. Yeah. yeah. We could start a new segment in the show, maybe. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. Sean's Corner. Yeah. Brutally honest. Yeah. But um, so were you filming some of your own uh, movies as well with, what was it, Dragonfire and Scorpio Squared Productions? Oh, you've done your homework, Sean. Bit. I tried to. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Scorpio Squared Productions was my first go at it with uh, my former partner, Rory. Um, We had met on a film set in 2007 and realized we had the same exact birth date just 13 years apart. So that's why it was called Scorpio Squared, because we're both Scorpios. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Very cool. But um, that kind of hit a roadblock because we filmed... Something that cost me in excess of forty five hundred bucks. We hired all everybody got paid on that set. Everybody. And that's one thing I would never do is hire anyone on my sets that didn't make a money. Yeah. yeah. Everybody got paid. Yeah. And unfortunately, we had nineteen hours of gorgeous footage, but horrible sound. Oh uh, and we had, and we had a sound man that came highly recommended. Okay. And he got paid seventy five bucks a day and didn't have to do a whole lot. But I never got dailies. I never got anything till the very end because I chose to wear too many hats. Yeah. So I was still trying to deal with post-production on that. And then Rory threw a couple more projects at me for um, pre-production. And then we were shooting one while I'm still editing one. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Why don't you go start your own company? So he did. He started another company. And after three years of trying to unsuccessfully finish the one project we did in 2010, I just did it as a wash. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I have tried to process this audio. And there's a trick to the film industry. What you write is different than what you film is different than what you edit. There's three versions of every movie. And when you have somebody that doesn't really understand that philosophy and they want you to edit everything that they, you film to what they wrote, it doesn't always turn out that way. Yeah. You have to appreciate the different uh, input, I think, also with the directors, the actors, interpretations. Yeah, and that was the hard part because he was the director and one of the actors. I was an actor who did two different roles, who also was the caterer, who also was the guy who paid everybody, who also was the guy that was the editor. Wow. So I wore way too many hats, and I learned a very valuable lesson on that. And we shut that company down. I moved on. I started Dragon Fire. But again, I did the same mistake. I relied on other people. I partnered with a couple people from a distance to do movies. And I learned my lesson. You do one film and you're done. Mm -hmm. You do one and you're done. So that was the thing that I did with this other person that was one of my friends. We did one film and we were done. I said, I'm not going to produce any more of your stuff. I can't do it. Yeah. And I did have a feature film that I was 
writing back in 2011 that would have been really cool to do. I actually had three big actors who were not like really huge in their career at that point that I could afford to bring on. So Betty White was going to be in a cameo and died in the first scene. (laughs) Danny Trejo, I was talking to his manager, which at this time, this was before Machete. So he still was kind of doing day salary. He was going to be a Native American judge. Wow. Think of that. A totally different thing for him. Yeah. And then Leslie Nielsen, God rest his soul. Mm. We had worked together in a commercial. So I was talking to him about being the defense attorney. Because he was here in the Valley for a while. Yeah, we did a um, we yeah. did a Desert School Credit Union commercial together years ago. So I was talking okay. to him about being the defense attorney. And I had a female serial killer. Okay. She happened to be working on our film at that time. At this point, she started coming over to my house and befriending me. And I found out along the lines that she actually stole the script idea what? and decided to write a movie based on my idea. Now, Dove Simons always says, it's not yours until you make it. So I just decided to pull it all back and said, nope, sorry, guys, it's not getting done. Now, the crazy thing about it is she turned it into a porn. What? Oh, my. And she brought a lot of us on board to help her. We didn't know what we were doing. And then she ended up firing us after she got funding. But the movie never went anywhere. And now she's back in the valley again trying to get people to give her 60000 to make this movie eight years later. And this is one of the reasons why I don't do much in the industry because people that knew what had happened, the hard thing is people are so desperate to work in a film here. They don't care that there's bad blood, that somebody hurt other people that they supposedly care about. They don't want to be left out of the project. So it lives. Yeah. And that's just it. It's a tumultuous cycle because you think you can trust a lot of people in the industry that are your friends, but you have to be careful because everyone is scared to be left out. And we've had that with a sexual predator here in the film industry too. People continued to work with him, even though they knew what he was doing because they didn't want to be left out in case he made it big. Mm -hmm. And that's where I draw the line. I will not sell myself out for anyone. If you say you're my friend and you want to choose to work with someone that's done me wrong, You've already been warned. I will not hold anything against you, but karma's going to come back because they're going to yep. do it to you just like they did it to the rest of us. Yep. So that's where I draw the line. I don't want to hear about those projects because mm. don't ask me to come to your defense. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm a good person. I try to help everybody that I can. And I'm also a Scorpio. Mm-hmm. So if you do me wrong, I turn my back. I, I will not do anything to help you. Because that's not right. Mm-hmm. Why, why would I continue to give to you and help you when you don't care about people? Yeah. Because that's the bottom line. A little vengeance in there. Well, no, <laughs> see, the, Scorp- the Scorpios oh, yeah. have the reputation of getting mad and giving, getting even. I don't yeah. do that. I just turn my back and walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I don't, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm one of those industry people that a lot of people come to to find out about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, what have you What's heard really about What's really going this? on? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I have my ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. I, right, I've right. been doing this for, you know, for almost 40 years. Yeah. So, you know, you, you tend to know some of the good people and some of the bad people, some of the people that don't have it quite together. Mm-hmm. And I try to give the best advice I can, but I don't, I don't say anything bad about anybody. I just say, this is what happened with me. Yeah. And if you choose to work with them, just be careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But but you do have a radio show right now. Yes, actually, I co-host a show with Duffy McMahon, who happens to be Pat's wife. And the interesting about thing about her is that she is a doctor of human sexuality. So being partnered up with her, we get to cover all kinds of different subject matter. We actually started a show back in January called Life Happens. Mm-hmm. And we deal with every kind of subject matter you can imagine that comes through life. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, we dealt with suicide and depression. Mm-hmm. This last week, I actually opened up on our show and talked about a situation that happened to me so that we could talk about the importance of self-worth and self-love mm-hmm. and self-care. This coming show this week is going to be Achieving Your Dreams. You're never too old to achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I have a friend who, a couple of friends who actually are in a band who just got signed to a record deal, and they're all in their late 40s and early 50s. And, wow, that's fun. And the drummer's a good friend of mine. He actually had to give up the potential record deal that he had years ago because his wife got pregnant, oh. and he wanted to stay home and be a dad. Yeah. So he gave up the career and the big record deal to be a father. And when his kid was old enough, his wife said, go get your dream. Go get it. That's cool. So that's, those are the kinds of things we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, just like your show. No matter how old you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you go through, if you want it bad enough, mm-hmm. you can really do it. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. stopping you? Yeah. yeah. Well said, Robin. So what is stopping you? Listeners, what's stopping you? <laughs> And I think it's fear. Yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of people fear mm-hmm. what could happen. But think about, like I said, think about it this way. You're on your deathbed. Do you want to be the guy saying, I wish I had done that? Yeah. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. You have to be true to yourself. Yeah. And I'm really surprised you didn't find out one thing about me. Because I usually keep it pretty quiet, but some people know about it. Um, I was a professional wrestler for a short time. Whoa. Really? How cool is it. that? I did not find that. And um, well, you probably won't I guess find, I didn't do my homework. Well, enough. you won't find a lot about it online <laughs> because they actually hired me when I was underage and they didn't know it. Okay. okay. So I think there, there's a reference. There's a new TV show that just came out on Netflix last year. Uh, what's it called? <laughs> uh, Glow. Glow. I was going to, yeah. I was part okay, of the yeah. West Coast Division of Glow. Is that right? Yeah. And um, so that's a true show. I mean, that's his. Uh, the, the characters on it, parts of them are true, but you know, it's it's expanded. It's not. They're not the real life girls. Yeah. They're actresses. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole idea is actually based on the wrestling thing that happened. A lot of what's okay. in there is true, and everyone's like, "Well, are you going to be on the show?" It's like, why? They don't even claim me. Yeah. I was seventeen. Yeah. You know, I had just. You know, I had a baby and I just got back into shape and I was 17 and I was like, you know, I got called out because I was working for a radio station and, right. we, and we were promoing the matches for the WWF at the time That's at awesome. the Coliseum. <laughs> so I kind of got called out if I wanted to train and I went and trained for a while and it's stunt work. That's yeah. all it is. And it, it was really stupid, but it was fun. Yeah. But what a what a <laughs> rich and fulfilling life you've had with all your experiences, Robin. It just absolutely is amazing. Uh, if people want to get a hold of your book or listen to your radio show, how can people get in touch with you? 
Well, it's easy to find me. I'm everywhere on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all across the wire, WordPress, Google+, and my own website, which is robincote.com, R-O-B-I-N-C-O-T-E.com. The book is right there. You can hit on the link. Plus, if you want to find the show Life Happens, our landing page is right on starworldwidenetworks.com, and Dave's going to kill me for messing that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Get a little tongue-tied and you bite your tongue. But yeah, so you know we have our show right here on the network, starworldwidenetworks.com, and it's really easy. I think we are close to, I think we're 22 or 23 episodes in. Wow, that's terrific. That's just terrific. So... You're familiar with the theme of our show, Be, Dream, Do. Yep. What are your, you know, how does that resonate with you? (sighs) Be, Dream, Do. How does that resonate with me? And I hear you say this every week, and I never (laughs) knew I was going to be asked that question until last week, and I didn't really think about it. Be, to me, is living in the moment. Uh Um, It's not questioning who you are. But it kind of feeds right into the dreaming uh-huh. because dreams are what keeps us alive. If you're not dreaming about what your passions are, if you're not dreaming about what you want to do, then what's the purpose? I mean, you're kind of like giving up on life. If you're not dreaming, you're not being. And then the do part is just getting up off your butt and doing it and not letting anyone tell you that you can't because that's the biggest thing. All throughout my years growing up working in radio, I will never forget it. My parents never told me they were proud of me. My dad and mom never owned up to the fact I was in radio. I got the standard, get a real job, <laughs> you know? But there was a day, and I'll never forget it, there was a boxing match, the Holyfield um, Tyson boxing match, and they were playing it at one of the outdoor arenas here. And, of course, the radio station was telling me to go there and talk about it. So I pulled up around the back gate to the VIP parking. That's a big fight. Yeah. Big screen and everything. So my dad goes, don't you know who my daughter is? She's Rockin' Robin from KUPD. First time ever that that man ever said anything positive about what I do. Wow. So that kind of was like a pinnacle moment for me because I got so sick and tired of hearing that. Get a real job. Get a real job. Yeah. yeah, So be, dream, do. That's what it is. You, You should be who you are. Yeah. Follow your dreams and just do it. Don't let anyone stop you. Wow. And, and show them. Prove it to them. Well, I think you have, have to prove to, it to yourself yeah. more than everybody else because the rest of it just falls in line. You've got to prove to yourself that you can do it. And you know you can. Yeah. If you, if you, if you know it, you can believe it and, and achieve it. Yeah. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much. Most inspirational. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Cote, as she said, look, uh, if you really, really want to do something, you really want to do something deep down inside of your heart, what is stopping you? Because as we see, nothing has stopped Robin. Stay tuned for next week when we're going to be having the stand-up comedian and improv um, actress Christy Joy on the show sharing her story about what she loves to do. Do what you love and love what you do. Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com.